Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a week four edition of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. And Money, this is a, a, a turn-the-page episode to Houston after uh, Sunday's 38-10 defeat to Jacksonville. I was just saying, I, I haven't talked to you since since Sunday, um, before the game I talked to you. So I figured, get your thoughts, um, figure out what, what went wrong Sunday and what needs to be corrected come this Sunday in Houston. Well, you know, I think the easy answer is everything. You know, everything went wrong on, on Sunday. You know, they, they went into a game down, key pieces, again, with no Lindsley and Keenan uh, and JC, and that was apparent. Um, the fact that Joey, you know, the second Joey went out, you just saw the pass rush disappear. Um, they started yeah. doubling Khalil. Uh, we saw a really stout run defense the first two weeks. That disappeared in that game. Uh, run defense got gashed. Uh, really got pushed around up front um, on both sides of the ball. I thought Jacksonville was way more physical, um, way more urgent than the Chargers were. And it was just, you know, and we've seen it. Look, we've seen it with this team, and they still won nine games last year. We've just seen these sort of blips. You know, it happened last year to the Texans. It happened last year against the Ravens where just seemingly everything goes wrong. And it's just hard for this team to reset and recover. Um, they did a good job of it. You know, the defense held strong that first half. The fact that it was a 16-10 game in the third quarter, I think, was a testament to how well the defense was playing. Um, you know, that should have been a three-touchdown game, you know, by the middle of the third quarter. But the fact that they were able to bow up, you know, on those goal-to-goes and just give up a couple field goals was huge. Uh, and I think that, you know, kind of speaks to some of the, you know, sort of hope. Um, and, and a positive that you can maybe carry through the rest of the season, you know, after finding out that Joey's having groin surgery and is going to be out quite some time. So, you know, I, I think this is, you put it best, you flush it, you move on from this game, because really um, there could not be more things that went wrong in a single contest. Um, you know, Justin clearly was not feeling it, um, was, was dealing with the rib fracture, and you could just see him opening up on a lot of throws. His accuracy wasn't there. Um, but then there were those Justin plays, you know, the wow moments, the, the touchdown throw, uh, the 54-yarder at Jalen Guyton. So, you know, it's good to see that those flashes are still there. So, you know, it's, he's still capable of doing it. It's just starting to get comfortable with that injury because that's going to take a while. You know, it's going to be like a month probably before he's starting to feel like he's on the rebound. Um, so, I, you know, I think, I, I think the lingering concerns – from that game are certainly the offensive line. You know, if you were to ask me to rank the most important players on the Chargers, obviously it starts with Justin. I would I would put Slater at number two. Um, when you have a left tackle that you don't have to worry about and you don't have to send help and you don't need tight ends and you don't need running backs to chip, it changes everything when you only have to worry about one side. Um, so now they're down what I believe is their number two most important player of the season. And I would probably put Joey at three. Um, three or four, you know, would be Joey or Derwin in that three or four spot. So now you're talking about being down two of your top four players um, for the rest of the season, or at least most of it in the case of Joey. And, you know, time to rally and time to find some depth and, and time to, to find out, you know, kind of what what Brandon Staley and his coordinators and Tom Telesco and his staff are, are able to do with some depth pieces to, to salvage, you know, what is a promising roster otherwise for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, so you're, you'll learn a lot about this team 
I think, on Sunday after what happened last Sunday. To to your point about the defense, I agree with you. When you run 75 plays like Jacksonville ran, I mean, that's a a huge volume of plays. And the defense hung in there in the first half. They were on the field for almost 39 minutes of the game. I mean, that's... Yeah, they wore down. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you're going to wear down. Uh, Justin clearly is not going to be himself. I mean, we knew that going into this. Like, he he's not going to be the Justin Herbert from last year um, with this rib injury. So you have to pick him up. Um, you know, Mike only had one catch. Uh, the offense was just out of sync. Yeah, you mentioned, like, we saw the flashes, right? We saw, like, that 54-yarder to, to Jalen and, and some, of the, some of these throws. But uh, by, in large part, Justin was a little off um, and with good reason. The offensive line, I agree with you. I think Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley, like, it, it just it kind of sucks that now it, when Lindsley maybe comes back, you're taking Rashawn away, right? And, and now they got to figure out kind of a new combination on that line. It looks like uh, Jamari Sawyer is going to be the left tackle Sunday. And, and you know, uh, I'll, I'm good I'll with you, that. Chris, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great sign. Um, Storm had a rough go. He had a really rough go. Uh, I know on PFF it was, you know, seven pressures on 25 snaps. I counted fewer than that. I counted essentially, you know, not so much 25, but like kind of 18 legitimate dropbacks, seven pressures on 18 legit dropbacks. Uh, The other seven were kind of just quick outs, and there was just never any threat of pressure. Uh, But with the rib injury, you just can't get those quick beats, and and that's what Storm was allowing. You know, it was just if it was Arden Key or Trayvon or Josh Allen, they were just blowing by him so fast. And even though Herbert's so good at feeling pressure and recognizing it in his periphery and getting rid of the ball, it's the rib injury. Like you can't afford to let him take those hits. So kudos to the coaching staff to say, yeah, look, we could probably do this. Storm did it last year. Let's just say you know it was bad go for him, and and trust that he'll have a bounce back. So I give them props for saying, no, we can't do that again. You know, Storm's great as a swing. You know, we can put him in there for a few plays at a time if we need be, but we got to try something else. And, you know, there were a lot of people in in the media, you know, that, that cover the draft, former scouts or draft experts that were incredibly surprised to see Jamari drop like he did, you know, especially considering he was the best O-lineman for Georgia all season, you know, one that, that – that the Kirby Smart was willing to move around that line for whatever they needed, kick him inside when they need to slow down interior rush, put him at left tackle when they need to slow down edge rush all season long. So let's see it. You know, he's a strong dude, um, limited a little bit athletically, which is why he dropped, you know, the measurables. He's not quite as big as you might like your left tackle to be. But, you know, that's why Rashawn dropped a 13, even though he had the best technique of anyone in the draft. So we've seen that be a success for the Chargers. And, you know, the hope is that, that that's going to work. You know, that, that he can at least slow down people enough. And I think if you get Corey back, you know, and, and you have that interior, look, Matt's had a rough go this year. Matt Filer's had a rough go. Yeah. So if you can get you Corey, Corey back. next to him helps. That's what I mean. I think if you get Lindsley back for this game and now you have that interior, you feel great about Zion. He, had, he really only had one busted legit pressure uh, in that game. And otherwise, I thought he played really well. So I think if you can get that three-man back on the interior, at least Justin knows he can climb the pocket. If there's edge pressure coming, he can step up and deliver strikes, you know, to Mike and Keenan and, and get this thing moving. So, uh, look, it's a lot of hope. Uh, there's Jerry Hughes having a good year. You know, he might be an old man in his, in his 13th season, but he's still a damn good pass rusher. So 
either Trey or, or Jamari are going to have to deal with that. And um, it's not going to be easy. You know, the Texans probably on paper have, you know, one of the lesser rosters in the NFL. They, they are still in full-on rebuild mode. But, you know, they can still make plays. And that defense has played pretty darn well through three games this season. Place is going to be a lot louder than it was on December 26th of last year, too. I mean, there's still there's still some excitement and a little bit of hope uh, with that with that franchise here in September. And uh, they played the Colts very well for three quarters, three and a half quarters in week one at home. They were on the road the last two weeks, kept it close in Denver, uh, probably should have won in Chicago. Yeah. And now they're coming back home. And yeah, I mean, uh, look, you go ahead. Two, two picks, you know, in Chicago, like you said, probably should have won that game. They were in the game till the final five minutes uh, against the the Broncos, and and then you have a a Colts game that that somehow they let a, a twenty to three lead in the fourth quarter just slip away. So yeah. this it, it, Lovey's a good coach, man. Lovey can coach D, you know, for for whatever people want to say about you know him being sort of a, a retread and why is he getting another chance and you know what 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 are, what are the Texans thinking? Look, he can coach defense. He has always been able to do that, and uh, it's. Considering all the injuries on offense, I think, you know, today when we're doing this, we'll know a lot more, you know, when Sunday comes around of who's available. But, man, we talked to Brandon on on Monday on, on Petros and Money, and, and I thought he made a good point. I just said, you know, trying to overcome all of this adversity, you know, what's, what's the message of the team? How do you do? And he said, well, look, we're looking for some good news as well. Yeah, we got bad news, but we're hoping there's good news, you know, that can help, you know, sort of stem the tide of the bad news. And I think that's – you know, what, what you can hope for. And I think that's what they need. They, they've got to have some good news on the J.C. Jackson, Corey Lindsley, Keenan Allen front, at least one of those pieces, and hopefully all three. Yeah, no question. And just go back to the offensive line real quick. Sawyer's the best option. He's the best option at this point um, on the roster at left tackle. What, what's concerning to me, Money, is just the inability to run the football, especially when you know your, your quarterback is, is ailing. And that's the best way to help them. And they couldn't do it. I mean, that that first half, Austin had two rushes for zero yards. I think they are averaging 2.6 or 2.8 on the year, which is last in the league by a wide margin. Um, You know, we didn't see Josh Kelly in this game at all. And I I just wonder, is it they can't run it with Corey being out or they're, they're having difficulty or they're not sticking with it or something else I don't know but I, I just feel like a running game against especially the Texans are, are last in the league against the run I, yeah I feel like that has to show up on Sunday well I think there's a lot there um you know and and just I I kind of think back to you know and I'm it's two years ago you know just how how much we saw Keenan and Mike involved in the run game you know there's just a ton of motion and those guys are moving you know, pre-snap and you're seeing Austin behind Keenan and Austin behind Mike and just how willing of blockers, you know, and Hunter Henry was here and he was a great all around tight end. And, you know, they need to get back to that. You know, yeah. they're, they're just, there needs to be more. And I, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to come off sound, but he's got to be more creative. There has got to be more creativity in the run game. You know, you got to say like DeAndre Carter on jet sweeps, like just handing the, the, the reverse. They were down 21 points when they tossed in the reverse. Yes. You know, this, on Sunday, like that's that, that, that's not the time, you know, when that's going to, to have a, a legitimate shot at success. Like I want to, you can't have Sony carrying in the ball more than, than Austin. You just like, to me, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. You know, commit to it, get creative. 
If you can't run to the right, you know, and Trey has really struggled in run blocking this year. He's just getting beat and missing assignments, and guys are in the backfield way too quick. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot that goes into it. I think it's one play design, two um, blocking, and and three. You know, I, I do think it's running back. You know, ability. I just haven't seen enough carries from Austin to that you can't have four carries for five yards. Guys got to carry it more. Yeah. Um, especially when it was a sixteen to ten game in the third quarter. Like I get it. It's it's twenty one. They didn't get off script till late. You know. Yeah. So like that doesn't work for me. And and I don't need. You know, I I don't think I need to see Sony getting more reps running the ball than than Austin. I just that that doesn't that also doesn't work for me. Um, so I think there's a lot that I would assume I'm gonna that I think we'll see different. In the game, um, you know, we saw last year. Look, we saw Austin <laughs> put up 1,500 combined yards and 20 touchdowns. We know Lombardi can scheme it up, and yeah. he can call a hell of a game, you know, in the run game. He had nearly 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, he had, what, eight rushing touchdowns, I think, 12 receiving touchdowns, or it was reverse maybe, 12 and eight, whatever. It's there. We know it's there. We know it can be called. We know it can be drawn up. We know they're certainly capable of it. Just got to do it. Got to go out and execute it. Got to call it. Got to execute it. And... um and and I think they're gonna. I think we're gonna see it. Like I legit think we're gonna see the return of the run game, just kind of knowing the the situation they're in, the defense that they're facing. And I'm excited to see that. You know, I'm excited to see, you know, more again, more opportunities for Austin and more availability of Austin in this game. Yeah, and, and Josh, listen, Josh Kelly. I feel like in the limited touches he had in the first two weeks. He looked really good running the ball. He only had one carry uh, last week. I asked Coach Staley about just the development of Isaiah Spiller yesterday, and he said Isaiah's come along. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have to beat out Sony and Josh for a chance to to get on the roster, and, and the kicking game has uh, has uh, a part in that. So we'll see. I, I don't I don't know. It doesn't sound like we'll see Isaiah this week, but you know, maybe in the near future if he can do that. But at the same time, I, I'd like to see. Josh get in there and get into a little bit of a groove because there were some stretches in that that Vegas game in particular there was there was one drive where he was really kind of pacing the offense getting some tough yards and uh I'd like to see him in the first half maybe have that opportunity yeah I I think um I I think all three of those guys can look all three of them can play you know we saw Sony get some tough yards um but, you know, like I just kind of go back to the interception. Like if that's Austin, that ball's not popping off his hands and popping up and turning into a pick. You know, it did yeah, for Sony. He's the most sure-handed that, back in the league. Exactly. It's like that's, that's, that's a pick that's on Sony. It's not on Justin. It's uh, to, to me, and it's, it's not even, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30. It's 100% on Sony. Um, so, like, it's, it's – and look, I, to me, I think with this roster, with the confidence they have in this roster, with how they looked the first two weeks against – against Vegas and, you know, uh, and, and the Chiefs. I think the idea was, hey, Austin takes a beating and we're making a Super Bowl run and we have got to make sure that we do not run him into the ground by week 10, you know, to some degree like he has been because he takes so much contact. He doesn't want to go down. I, I say it repeatedly. He, he bounces off initial contact and he is all about uh, yards after initial contact, yards after contact. And, and, you know, after the catch, he does it all. So my guess is that calculus has now changed. It's gone from, hey, we need to, to keep him safe and healthy as possible for a sustained playoff run to we got to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, we got to win some games, you know, while we're waiting for some of these injured players to come back. And I think that's the shift in the calculus as well and why you're going to see a lot more Austin this week against Houston. 
And, Bunny, you know what? Things change, too, when Mike Williams gets the football. And, you know, week one, two catches. Last week, one catch for 15 yards, a touchdown. Uh, in Kansas City, eight for 113. He was targeted 10 times. So, w- without Keenan, Mike's got to be the guy. So, I, I, what I saw in week two is if you throw it in his vicinity, he's probably going to catch the ball. So, uh, a little bit more Mike Williams, too, I think, in this game. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's, it's been an interesting start to the season. You know, just – right. From what we were coming off last year, top five offense in every category, um, to now an offense that total yards, you know, wherever, however you want to look at it, you know, whatever numbers you want to check out and where that slots, the Chargers fine. I'm just saying from an eyeball test, there's just no explosive plays. The, the yeah. ball is not getting pushed downfield. You know, the, the, that was Jalen Guyton's second target of the season. And it was his first reception. And you saw what he was capable of doing. Now, unfortunately, he's gone for the year, you know, and, and that 4-3 sp- speed is gone with it. So, you know, I, I, with the signing of Hightower and the, the elevation of Jason Moore, like they've got to find that speed. Um, but we've talked about Mike. Mike may be a 4-5 guy, but Mike's a 90-10 guy instead of a 50-50 guy. So you can push that ball downfield and especially challenge these corners, challenge Desmond King and, and the rookie Derek Stingley, you know, challenge these Houston corners to make a play on one of the best wide receivers in the league, you know, get get Justin to push this ball. And that's the other problem, you know, with the, with the run game. You know, teams just, they should fear Justin's arm, and instead they're creeping up. You know, they're creeping up because they just don't see it. It's, I think they're last in explosive plays. I think they've had one explosive run, or no, I think they've had zero explosive runs and like two explosive passes this season. They are dead last in the league. And, you know, passes over 20 yards, runs over 10 yards. The, the Chargers are last. That's crazy. Like that is just crazy through three games to, to see. So, you know, that even if you just take the shot, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I don't care if it ends in an interception. I just, you know, I don't. If you want to just get that fear of Justin Herbert's arm and Mike Williams' catch radius planted into the head of the defensive coordinator and the defensive players so they're not creeping so much um, just because it hasn't been there. It has not been there all season, and I think they, they have to get that to show up, and that's going to open up things for the run game to be more successful. I mean, you watch. When they snap the ball and they hand it off, there's eight guys firing at the line of scrimmage um, and making tackles, and they just they have to, they have to lighten that box. Flip it to to the defense, and we talked about uh, Sawyer. Looks like Chris Rump's going to get that shot uh, on the other side of Khalil Mack for Joey Bosa, and there's not a ton of depth behind those guys now. You got him no. and Kyle Van Noy, so it changes everything. Money, it, you know, we talk about the pass rush, but you've said it repeatedly here that that you think Joey's maybe the overall best defensive end in the game because of his ability to stop the run. And we, we certainly saw what happened when he went out of the game. And uh, that's going to be a problem. You know, Damian Pierce, this rookie, uh, is having a pretty good start to the season. And we know what Rex Burkhead did to this team last year. And he's the number two guy, and he gets some run. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Damian's been up and down. But but he's a solid back. He's a big back. I liked him at Florida. Um, I thought he was a legit option for the, the Chargers in, in one of those middle rounds. You know, He's got a hip injury, him. but I think he's, he pra- he's practicing today. He's practicing today, yeah. So... You know, I, I think you, you, you just said it. You know, I think the, a big part of the Chargers' success through that first half 
was Joey and Khalil against the run on the edges yeah. and, and Austin and Sebastian and Sebastian had a great game. You know, I know you see 38 points and it's like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, that dude was active. He was in the backfield. He was stuffing runs. So look, you still have Austin, Sebastian in the middle of that. And you still have, you know, Drew Tranquil with who's exceptional at run fits. So the key is going to be that other edge, you know, if it's Van Noy or if it's Rumpf, um, and it's great to see that Chris put on that weight in the offseason because that's going to be a big part of setting that edge and containing the runs. And we saw that in the preseason. You know, Chris didn't just rush the passer and get sacked, but he had a couple tackles for loss. Uh, he set the edge pretty well, and that's going to be a lot. I mean, look, you're talking about Joey Bosa and, and the drop-off from Joey Bosa. It's nothing against Kyle Van Noy or Derek Tuska if he's going to get in there or, or Chris Rumpf, but it's going to be a significant drop because, as I've said, Joey is the best all-around defensive end in the NFL when you combine pass rushing and run stopping. Um so they that that's something they're going to have to figure out, and I would assume you're going to see a heavy dose of of Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead running in the direction of Rumpf or Van Noy, um, and that's going to be up to and you know and and I think there, another thing that came out of that game is just the offense that that Doug Peterson was running with Trevor Lawrence, all those RPOs, Man. and you got to diagnose and you got to attack, and they repeatedly went after Kenneth. And it's like, hey, man, you got to decide and go. And I think you just saw some of that hesitation from Kenneth in those RPOs, and that's why they were constantly running them in his direction. Um, so I think you're going to see some of that with Davis Mills as well this week with, with Damian or with Burkhead. And like you said, we saw it last year. Now, considerably different interior of the line. I remember last year they had like 15 guys out with COVID as well. Yeah. So, you know, it was a disaster of a game from a personnel standpoint. Um, I don't expect to see that again. Burkhead's not getting a lot of carries. He's getting a few here and there. I think he had a handful of carries against the Colts, but otherwise it was like zero against the Broncos, and I think he just had a, a couple um, against the Bears. So, yeah, they got to they gotta bottle up because Davis has been shaky. Um, you know, Davis Mills has been shaky. He had a good game against the Chargers last year, but, you know, if you can get J.C. back out there with Asante and Derwin's on the field and Nas, you know, they should be able to deal with the, the, the pass catchers. You know, Brandon Cooks isn't really having a great year thus far, even though he played really well last year. So this defense, you know, this defense should – I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. They better be able to, to slow down the Texans' offense. It's not, a, it's not a great offense. Yeah, you know, 38-10, to 10, I'm not saying J.C. Jackson would have made the difference in the game by any stretch. but Would have helped. Would have helped. Would have helped, right? And, you know, we'll see. We, as, of, as of now, as we tape this, we don't know if, whether or not he's going to play – on Sunday, but it's just been tough because he hasn't been in there for, for the last, or for, I guess, two of the three games. And, you know, that was a game where you said it, man, Doug Peterson, I think he put on a, just an offensive clinic, the, the, the way that he used Trevor and just listen, the Jags are good. The Jags are good. Trevor Lawrence is exceptional. Um, everyone was laughing at the Christian Kirk deal and the Zay Jones deal and the Evan Ingram deal. They all seem to be playing as a team. ETN is back. Uh, Robinson had that 50-yard touchdown. And then defensively, that that front seven, pretty darn good. So uh, I, I'm not saying that the Chargers underestimated the Jags, but I think as a whole, um, that loss may not look as bad as it is it uh, is it felt on Sunday, maybe later on in the year when you see the Jags continuing to win games. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Coach Staley, and he's, he's so great with this. He, it's the first thing he said. He's like, look, I got to do a better job. He's like, they, they got me. They, they got us in this one. And, and like you said, Doug just, man, he had a plan. 
And that there's he's a great coach. Guy won a Super Bowl. You yep. know, it's like he's he's part of you know he was Andy Reid's number one guy for whatever seven eight years. You know, he's learning under the best offensive play caller in the league. Uh, he carried that over to to Philadelphia. He made Carson Wentz a legit MVP candidate. He made Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP. Doug Peterson can freaking coach. Um, and like I said, I think you know, that's kind of some of the creativity that we're talking about. I mean, when you were watching, you saw all the pre-snap motion with Christian Kirk, with tight ends, with Zay Jones, with Marvin, you know, running both NTN and 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 uh, James Robinson, flanking Trevor on those RPOs, not knowing where the mesh was going to be on those plays. Uh, and then recognizing, okay, I got something. I, I, this RPO is not working for Kenneth right now. Let's just ride it. Let's ride it. And they rode it all the way down the field for a touchdown. Um, so I think that's, again, I think there were, I think there was a macro and a micro for the Chargers because of how good they felt about this team, especially through the first two weeks. And I think now it is just exclusively micro. What do we need to do to win this game? Uh, preservation, all that sort of stuff. Reps, are we bal- Are we putting too much on this player and that player? That's all out the window. And that's why I do think, I, I think Sunday you're going to see a considerably different looking offensive game plan than we've seen uh, in the first three games. I said this on Monday, and obviously the team is only focused on Houston, but but I'm almost looking at the next two weeks on the road as being a, such a pivotal part to getting the season back on track with games at Houston, at Cleveland. You know how Cleveland runs the football. You know how they chew clock, Ooh. and and you know all about Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. I guess we'll know more about Garrett's status this week. And I think going they said he's going to play week. probably. Yeah. I think they said they think he's going to play. So he seems like you know good to hear. You hate to hear about a guy freaking flipping a sports no, car. So awful. especially one that big, awful. Uh, well, not the car that big, a guy that big and a car that small. You know, and yeah, all the stuff exactly. that can go wrong with that. So happy to hear that that he's okay. But look, Miles Garrett's. He's in the conversation as the most indomitable force in the NFL, along yeah. with Aaron Donald. I mean, yeah. so and, and Clowney has been solid on the other side. You know, they've got as I'm pulling up, you know, just like you said, you don't want to look too far ahead and focus on the Texans. But man, when you look at that off that defense and you think about, you know, JOK, Wusu Kormora and how just what a heat seeking missile he is in the middle. You know, this the secondary struggled a little bit, you know, for all of the celebration of Denzel Ward. It's been a little bit of a struggle there. So I think maybe you know, there's some availability there, but you got to have time, you know, and, and you're talking about Jamari Sawyer and Trey Pipkins going up against Miles Garrett and, and Jadavion Klein. That's what makes this game so important. You know, that that may be a huge ask on defense combined with an offense that's just going to run the heck out of it with two of the best backs in the league and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and, and just churn clock and try to wear your defense down. Um, so that that's why this week is so important, you know. For Sawyer too, like get get that start under your belt before yeah. Miles Garrett, right? <laughs> exactly, hundred hundred percent before it's Miles Garrett and and Jadavian Clowney. Deal with uh, Jonathan Grainyard and Jerry Hughes. You know, let, let, yeah. let's try to use that as a as a warm up and a ramp up to to next week. And yeah. I think it's you know I, again the calculus for everyone has changed. So I think it's just. Little victories. Think about, okay, Corey, Keenan, and JC are week-to-week. So if you can get to the point where they're healthy, where Herbert's ribs are back to at least close to being back to normal, where it's not really crushing them as much, and I just kind of think about about that bye week for the most part. Like, Chris, as I'm looking at the schedule, and it's like, okay, Houston, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle. That's what we're looking at. If, if you yeah. can, you know, I know it's not what people want to hear, but if you can go 2-2, two and two, you know, if you can be sitting at three and four, 
and we're five weeks down the road and now everybody's feeling healthy and you get the Falcons who I think are a lot more frisky than people think Arthur Smith's so good at calling offense uh, and why that team's got to win and has been in every game they've played in but you know if you can get to that point and and maybe be four and four after that Atlanta game okay we're halfway through the season at 500 team is healthy there's still a ton of talent on this team I mean yes you've lost some blue chips no doubt but there is still a ton of talent on this roster so that's kind of how I'm looking like you said if we're we can do it team can't they got to focus on one week but here just talking out of our our rear ends we can talk in in chunks like that and I think that's to me that should be a a realistic goal win two of these next four and hopefully win three of these next four so you're four and three instead of three and four going into that bye week and everybody's feeling better starting that second half of the season and and that's when you can start to make that push and you know what we were talking about this before Chris and you know you can expand on it but look there's a reason why people don't make predictions in the NFL at the start of the season because it's yeah. stupid the people AFC get West hurt. yeah the, the AFC West is has got the most losses in the AFC Seven. Five and this seven. This division has the most losses of any division in the AFC right now. The, what was supposed to be the greatest division in the history of football, all four teams are going to make the playoffs, now has more law, has a team that is two and one, two teams at two and one in first place, a one and two team in third place, and a zero and three team in fourth place. And so, if I'm not mistaken, there's only been one division game. I mean, it was Chiefs Chargers. Like the Raiders and Broncos will play this week. Right. Um, I don't think the Broncos and the Raiders have played any other division no, games. So they have not. There's been one game. So we talk about beating each other up and losing games. That hasn't happened yet. They're five and seven combined. Exactly. And look, the Chiefs, we said it after week two, ain't the same Chiefs. And the Colts showed you. And our old friend Gus, I mocked him uh, on the pod last week saying, dude, what are you doing saying that? They, they gashed you 87 to, to 14 with the Raiders. Well, they ain't no Tyree Kill to put on a linebacker, which is what they would routinely do to Gus because we saw it with freaking Hayes Pollard and Tyree Kill over yeah. and over again. But, like, Gus had it, and every team's going to do it. They're just going to play. They're going to play with everything in front of them. Let, let's, see you, let's see you do it down the field. And they get frustrated, and they make mistakes. And they're going to see it against the Bucs, and they're going to see it every single week. And there's a reason why the Dolphins are 3-0 and zero with Tyree Kill out there. Because uh, he is terrifying, and and the Chiefs' offense is no longer as scary as it once was without that guy out there. So that's the other. That's I'm glad you you brought it up because I forgot about that. That we were talking about it. You know, that's the other portion of this. You're not going to have to go. You know, twelve and five to win the AFC West. You know, no. ten and seven is probably going to get it done. You know, with the way things are looking. You know, ten and seven, eleven and six very well could win you the AFC West. And that's why I said it's it's okay to say, hey, can we get through this at three and four, four and three and get to the bye and get all these guys feeling really good. And now you've got an offense with Keenan and Mike and Gerald Everett who's kicking ass out there and Austin and and you know and, and Herbert feels good. Yeah, now we can do it. Not now now ten and six, eleven and five you know, ten and six is a possibility. You know, maybe nine and seven gets you a wild card at this point. You know, there's or nine and nine and eight. Like Ten and seven's a real possibility now to win this division. And um and I think that's why you just kind of change your expectations and, and what you want to see from this team. We don't tend to everybody overreacts after a win or a loss. And you know, especially after a loss like this when you lose by four scores to the Jags, everybody's upset. I get that. But I, I want to go back to what you just said because I think these little victories, if you can get 
a, a win in Houston, get to two and two, find a way to win in Cleveland without Deshaun Watson under center, get to yeah. three and two. All of a sudden, guess what? You're three and two with a Monday night football game against the Broncos and things change. The narrative shifts and you're going to look back at this moment of adversity and be like, hey, you know what? We got through it and it, it wasn't easy. We lost a lot of guys, but we found the confidence to win again. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but this is, uh, I think, a team with with a, a guys with a lot of pride, and, you know, they don't want to go down to Houston and lose no, in look, week four, right? I think, and yeah, by no means. If you look at all four of those games, you know, I'm just saying, I guess I was playing, like, worst case, you know, reality maybe sort of yeah. thing. But, yeah, best case, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. He's not great. He's, you know, he's asked to manage games. You know, they don't have a lot of dominant weapons at receiver. You can, you can play the run and say, you know what? If you want to beat us by taking the top off and you beat our guys on the outside, okay, fine. So you, you can scheme for the Browns. Like, you can do that. It's, it, they do not have a full-service offense. So if you can manage and take advantage – you know, create some turnovers and slow down that rush attack, absolutely they can win that game in Cleveland. The Broncos' offense has been terrible. Russell Wilson has been wildly uncomfortable. Their their receivers are suffering from drops. They got fumbles all over the field. So, like, the offense has not had a good game yet in Denver. So, like, well, I shouldn't say that. They played well, and they fumbled twice inside the five in Seattle. Like, the defense played pretty well in Seattle. But outside of that... They did not play well against Houston. They scored freaking 11 points in one of the ugliest games I've ever – actually, they didn't. The, the, the offense scored nine points because it was a safety that got them the 11 points yeah. um, uh, in, uh, in um, Houston. So, I mean, against uh, the 49ers. So, like, the Denver offense can be had. It's absolutely they can go 4-0 over this stretch of games. They just need to get healthy. They need as, – as Brandon Staley, as I mentioned, as Brandon Staley said, that's, they need some good news. They got a lot of bad news on Sunday – be great to get some good news for for those four games. Yeah, a win. It's just amazing. A win erases so much. 100%. A win erases so much, and, and that's because the, the Jacksonville so loss was so ugly. And that's yeah. why maybe I'm True. I'm overreacting a little bit, you know, and 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 just kind of seeing the way they got pushed around, seeing the pressure that was in Justin's lap the entire game, uh, the the fact that they were firing through every gap anytime they tried to run the ball. It was just it was. It was pretty gnarly. And yeah. it's, uh, I'm, I'm just going to pull facts. up. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to just pull up the, the schedule from last year because I want to see what happened after the Baltimore game. So, yeah, so the Baltimore game, um, it was just – so they had just put up that 28-point fourth quarter against Cleveland. You're feeling great. Then you lose 34-6 to the, the Ravens. Then the New England gets them. They go to Philly, win a tough one, lose one to Minnesota, win the incredible game against Pittsburgh, lose a weird one to Denver. Then you go out to Cincinnati and smash the Bengals. I mean, it's like they can bounce back. They yeah. did it all last year, you know, and they were darn close. They were, you know, one tackle. Uh, there's a second and 11, and if you can stop them on a uh, – or a first – whatever it was, the, 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 the two runs by Josh Jacobs. They're going to the playoffs. It was that close last year for all the ups and downs they had. This team's resilient. Herbert's incredible. When you have a quarterback like that, anything is possible. I mean, that's that's the one thing to mention. You know, if like, like that's that's the funny thing about all this, Chris. If there's no rib cartilage fracture to Justin Herbert, we're not having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, whatever, dude. Herbert will just throw the team on his back and 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 they'll win. He was able to do it behind a, an offensive line two years ago that had Sam Tevy, uh, Dan Feeney, um, Forrest Lamp, Michael Schofield. 
And uh, I can't even remember who was in for Brian Balaga because he got hurt. Oh, Trey, Trey Pipkins. And he yeah. was able to throw for almost 5,000 yards behind that line. He That's can do I it said. behind this line. You know, his rookie season, he proved that he can do it behind any line. Absolutely. It, it, it doesn't matter. None and of those guys are playing. None. The, the, the one touchdown drive money, too, all 75 yards were on the arm of Herbert. Now, yeah. There was not one rushing yard in that. So right. help him out with the running game on Sunday uh, against the, the Texans. I, I'm hopeful Austin could get things rolling on the ground, man. Just it, and, and it has to be one of those like first drive statement situations in the first quarter, too, where you're like, all right, we're going to establish it. We're going to get up early, and we're going to make sure that this crowd doesn't get into it and the Texans know that we're here to play. And and I, yeah. I feel like that, that hot start, Obviously, was lacking uh, last week, and you know they they need that. I think they need to get confidence early in this game and make sure they get the dub. Yeah, first two offensive drives were miserable against the Jags, you know, and um, I they just they, you could see it was just a little bit of a lack of energy, just quick underneath throws that didn't go anywhere, incompletes, runs that didn't do anything. Like I said, man, let's just get. I want to see that motion. I want to get creative. I want to see DeAndre Carter on a jet sweep just to threaten it right away, plant that seed. So every time he goes in motion, they're like, oh boy. He's slippery. Yeah. He's not, you know, just get it going. You know, throw down the seam deep to Carter. He's so good at adjusting. He's been know, great, by the way. He has. Like, get it going. You know, open things up. Get that energy. Get some juice in the offense. Like you said, get the bounce in their step because they're getting big plays and chunk yards downfield and remind them that Justin Herbert's got the greatest arm in the league um, and you got one of the best quarterbacks back there. And, and I think it's going to happen. I really do. Like, I mean, for all of the – you know, I, I don't want to. I don't I feel like I've had a negative tone. I feel like it's just been a very real tone. But like, understand, I believe they're going to come home from Houston with a win. Like, I, this is this is an immensely winnable game. Um, I truly believe that, and I expect them to come home with a win. And I expect the offense to perform and the defense to create turnovers, and Davis Mills to have a miserable afternoon in Houston. And then we're going to be excited, like I said, about slowing down a one-dimensional offense in in Cleveland. And finding, you know, the, the, the winning side of the ledger at three and two through five games. I said final running game. And last thing I'll say in terms of keys to victory, uh, get, get some turnovers, right? You know, you get three turnovers against the Raiders. You had maybe four interceptions on Patrick Mahomes that either got called back or were dropped. or Well, they had two penalty. that the officials took away. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. They had to. Yeah. Like they weren't, those weren't dropped interceptions. Those were interceptions that were negated by bad officiating. So they did have the two turnovers there Derwin almost had one against Trevor I mean it would have been an incredible interception he was totally laid out but he did get his hands on that ball yeah um so you Trevor almost had getting one the ball there. out of his hand was so quick that he, there was really not many opportunities except for maybe that one you mentioned yeah and like you said you know the with the Doug Peterson play call and just the RPOs were were frustrating the you know in terms of the defense just identifying Kean and, and trying to get a jump on it so it, uh, it was a frustrating game. Flush it, man. Just flush it. Get back after it with, with the Texans. Their O-line, look, Laramie Tunsil's a really good left tackle. Um, Titus Howard's pretty good. So they, they have some talent up front. They don't have a lot of talent up front. They, they, they can be had. I know they signed A.J. Cannon in the, in the offseason. Um, you know, our old friend, I love Scott. You know, Questenberry, who's yeah. playing center. You know, he's a good player. He, he, I thought he played really well, you know, when he was pressed into action. So... They're all right. You know, they're, they're okay up front. They're just not great, and, and they can be had. Khalil can have a Khalil game, you know, and, and I believe in Chris Rumpf. I believe in Kyle Van Noy. Um, I think there's enough there against this Houston team where we're going to be feeling pretty darn good when we're having this conversation next week. All right. Hang in there, guys. It's going to be all right. Exactly it's right. It's going to be all right on Sunday, right? <laughs>
<laughs> Anything I'm else, calling, I'm, I'm calling a much different looking. I, I just think you're going to see a totally different box score with the number of carries that Austin gets, the number of catches he gets. Uh, I think you're going to see a couple carries for DeAndre Carter in there. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more targets for Mike downfield. I think you're going to see air yards, you know, your A dot, your average depth of target, I think is going to jump up considerably. I just feel like this is the week where they just, they cut it loose. They, they take off, you know, they, they take off this sort of, Hey, let's be careful. Let's try to, and this just goes to show you, man, the whole don't play anyone in the preseason. You don't want anyone getting hurt. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. The bills played all of their players in the preseason and now their defense is decimated. They're down, you know, one safety for the season, two safeties, you know, which is arguably the best safety tandem in the league for a considerable amount of time. Like, yeah. It happens. It's football. Guys will get it's hurt. It's a violent game. They'll get hurt in week one, you know, which is why I kind of, I think going forward, I, I do think that's a legit discussion. We were talking to Tony Baselli before the game. He's such a great guy and is always cool with his time. And, you know, I was hanging out with DJ and, and him and, and Bucky, and we were just chatting. And, and he was saying, he's like, man, O-line's got to play. Like the O-line has to play together. And I think moving forward in the preseason, Get those guys out there with those other combinations. So Sawyer gets some reps with, with Rashawn at, at left tackle, at right tackle. He gets reps with Trey Pipkins at left tackle. He gets reps with Corey. And, like, you know, you've got to get that out there. He gets reps with Justin behind him to get a feel for what the pocket's like. I don't think there is anything wrong with that at all moving forward. And, and it, was, it was a real interesting point he made. He's like, I will never agree with not playing O-line in the preseason. Those guys have yeah. got to play. Um, and you know, maybe that's something that changes considering we're in week three and you look at the injuries that the chargers are dealing with now, it doesn't matter. It's a violent game. Guys get hurt. It's not just on the chargers. It's again, the super bowl favorite bills are, we're down, I think six guys on defense against the, against the dolphins this past week. It happens, you know, it's, and it's going game, to happen man. to everyone. Yeah, you look around the league, man, there's been a lot of devastating injuries to, to, uh, a lot of players, marquee players, on teams across the league, Chargers are no different. They they just no. they, they seem to be hitting, you know, a lot of the guys in the top 100, right? I mean, we yeah. we got like Slater, Bosa, JC, Keenan, um, Justin. So yeah. just five, but, just just five, five all pros. That's I probably all. Missed, that's I'm all probably missing. A, I'm probably missing a couple. Corey six. Yeah, Corey. Exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, positive vibes going into Houston. See if they can get a dub. Get to two and two and then play the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely. Uh, let's do it. For money, I'm Chris. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Ooh.